a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes Scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. I, I like how he ran in the room thinking that you accidentally articulated baptism incorrectly. Like, <laughs> wait a minute, you're mistaken. He said, you sound like a heretic. Right, yeah. It wasn't like, boy, they must be playing a game where they're articulating someone else's belief. It was, I think Pastor Wolfmiller is off his rocker. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a little bit disturbed that you think that I would actually teach that about baptism. <laughs> and it's so, 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 so deserved to be crunched. I mean, mega crunch. <laughs> so, uh, if you guys put the mega, mega crunch. crunch on the song, that would be awesome. <laughs> Keep uh, preaching the word, pastors. Keep it mediocre. Mediocre and hilarious. For the moment when Novocaine wears off, this is Table Talk Radio. I have a question, Pastor Wolfman. Wait, that's, I think Table Talk Radio is for uh, like the moment when you need Novocaine. Uh, I think you messed up that intro. Uh, okay, whatever. The sound of the need of Novocaine. <laughs> this is Table Talk Radio. Uh, okay. Like uh, like this. Like you see lightning before you hear the thunder. <laughs> the pain in your ears is coming. Table Talk. Welcome to Table Talk Radio. I just thought it had. A, I just thought it had a numbing effect. That that was what I was thinking of. It was Table Talk Radio. Uh, see, the, the numbing of your ear. <laughs> Uh, I got a question for you. Would this be uh, this is you're, you'll be my since you're the um, provost of Wolfmiller School of Hilarity. Um, you can tell me whether this would work or not. So uh, Easter Sunday, everyone's gathered, and all, and I say uh, he is not risen from the dead. April Fools! You think that'd be a good one? You can try that. Yeah, yeah, you should try. See how. Let me know how that goes. <laughs> Trying all the bad jokes here first. <laughs> That's right, where they belong. <laughs> it is kind of weird that we had Ash Wednesday on Valentine's Day and Easter on April Fool's. That's something. Yeah, I was putting, uh, instead of uh, Ash in the shape of a cross, to put it in hearts instead. Because, <laughs> you know, your heart is vile, a vile cesspool. Vile and sinful. Oh, yeah, things. that's what I was thinking. So, happy Valentine's Day. You're going to die. That's kind of that's how it went. You're halfway to dead. <laughs> All right, so uh, we're gonna do some buzzwords. We're gonna respond to some emails, and then we're gonna be playing. Remember this game we used to play, Facebook theology or hashtag theology? I don't really remember what mm. what are we what, what are we playing today anyway. Uh, hashtag theology. Okay, that's hashtag. how that goes, and that's where you tell me a hashtag, then I search it on the Twitter because you're not even on the Twitter. It used to be more fun when I knew how to log into Lumpy Chunklebuns. Remember Lumpy Chunklebuns had a Twitter? And also, oh, remember yeah. Mission Vision yeah. 62? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I can't believe I lost the password for those things, so now they're just dead on Twitter. Mission oh, Vision that's, 62. That's tragic. <laughs> I, I, now I have to search them as myself, B. Wolfmuller. <laughs> it's, Boring. It's probably better because I think there were certain districts in the Missouri Synod who were starting to use the Mission Vision uh, status updates. <laughs> hey, this is good stuff. This Mission Vision good. 5000. Come to the Mission Vision Conference. Mission Vision 2018. Get your Mission Visioned and your Vision Missioned. Mission Vision 62. The last time he had a new idea. 
Oh, man. All right, so uh, let's do some buzzwords. What's your buzzword, Passion Wolf? Okay, my buzzword for you is Passion Tide. We better put this episode out quick. Okay. Passion Tide, we've lost Passion Tide, I think, for the most part. We've kind of flattened out Lent these days. So you have Lent, and then you have Holy Week. No. And then you that's have pre Lent, and then Lent, and then pre Holy Week, and then Holy Week. I do. Not many other people do. That's what I'm talking about. Because you have pre-Lent. I have the pre-Lent, you know, quinquagesima, etc. How could you give up a Sunday called quinquagesima? I, I still think pre-Lent is made up. So we have it's post-epiphany instead. <laughs> Neither epiphany nor Lent. <laughs> Three days. Three weeks. We don't know what to do. Then you have Lent. Now, the last, so Utica, the fifth Sunday in Lent, the Sunday before Palm Sunday, is the beginning of what we call Passion Tide, what we used to call Passion Tide. That's generally kind of lost, but it's the the last two weeks of Lent is Passion Tide, and intensification. And you know one of the things that happens is you drop the minor Gloria, and you also speak the intervenient chants. It's kind of an austere thing. So we just got finished doing our midweek service, and all, everything but the hymns was spoken. It's kind of spooky. Then, uh, then you have Passion. Uh, that's Passion Tide. Then you have Holy Week coming up after that. How so do I know that you're not just making all this up? We had kind of a joke at uh, at the seminary that uh, whenever in chapel they wanted to to you know insert some kind of a practice, there'd be a little um, note in the bulletin in italic saying the ancient church would oftentimes da 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 da. So the joke was, if you want to do something, just say that the ancient church did it, and then it's like this is why we're doing it. So you could have you just that made all that up on the spot, and who would know? That, that advice to blame everything on the ancient church, that actually comes from the ancient church. <laughs> That's like when the ancient church would say of the ancient church, <laughs> we're going to start doing <laughs> <They'd> this. Say, <laughs> the, the ancient church, like, wait a minute, you just invented that yesterday. <laughs> yeah, but the ancient the church ancient does But <laughs> day's like a thousand years, you know. <laughs> I mean, we could be the ancient church. You you have no idea. I mean, the Lord could tarry for another 10,000 years, and they're going to be looking back to what the chumps did in 2018, and we're going to be like, oh, the ancient church would use flannel uh, figures in the service. <laughs> let's not, uh, yeah, let's... <laughs> Let's try not the to be the example for the ancient. Let's hope. Let's hope Jesus comes back before we become the ancient church. I hope. Anyway, so. that's my buzzword for you, Passion Tide. Oh, I was supposed to come up with a buzzword. Uh my buzzword for you is resurrection. Ancient church. <laughs> oh, resurrection. Resurrection. So uh, here's how it normally goes: a person dies, which means uh, their body is separated from their soul. And normally when that happens, a person stays dead. But in the case of Jesus, there was a resurrection. So after three days, he rose from the dead. And happens uh, also with uh, Lazarus by the power of uh, Jesus. Uh, raised Laz- I don't know. Do we, do we talk about – I mean, Lazarus, the, the – uh, he was more like a resuscitation. Yeah, there's, but but it's a certainly a foreshadow of the resurrection, so that we uh, we see the resurrection in the account of Lazarus rising from the dead. So, and then um, Paul tells us that those of us who've been baptized into Christ have been crucified with Him. If we've been crucified in a death like His, or baptized into a death like His, certainly be resurrected in a resurrection like His. So the resurrection of Christ is really the foretaste or the foreshadow of our resurrection which is on the last day. So thanks be to God.
Yes. Resurrection. All right. Uh, now, I nice. am astonished. We have an email um, from Stephen. I don't know how to pronounce his last is name. Is he Australian? We'll have to see. This is funny. Actually, no. He signs from Unionville, Michigan, USA, in parentheses, Northern Hemisphere, not Australia. <laughs> That's what the Australians always say. Uh, <laughs> but I'm wondering if it couldn't be someone with an Australian accent living in Unionville, Michigan. But I'm not sure. But uh, he says, gentlemen, I was listening to the February 25th episode entitled Mythically Texting Wives While Crunching Praise Songs. <laughs> Did we do that? That's That was the best episode ever. And caught a comment from Still about Pastor Wolf from there uh, that I think is overly critical of the praise song you were crunching. Before I move on, what what was the conversation around dinner that night? Uh, so, honey, how was your day? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Carrie's pretty funny. She rolls with the punches. She's been at this for a while now. She's and got by to. this, I mean being married to me. <laughs> I mean, does she have to get used to your Australian accent? Honey, so happy to see you. <laughs> How was your day? <laughs> How miserable. <laughs> what? <laughs> Being my wife? Is I that mean, what you're saying? I, Are you saying Carrie has a miserable I life? I can barely or stand. Or my accent's miserable. In, well, both. I can, I can barely stand an hour connected a week of uh, interaction with you. And so she, I mean, I don't know. Anyway... Uh, so you were overly anyway. critical, which is surprising. You're hardly over critical of anything, especially praise songs. But the email continues. The lyrics mention offering yourself as a sacrifice, to which Pastor Wolfman replied that, quote, offering myself as a sacrifice is, quote, always a bad idea. And then even even cites the minute and second that that was said of the episode. Dang. Should, do we, should we go back and listen to that? <laughs> nah. Uh, what? I can't believe that I said that because that doesn't seem right. I mean, I'm going to repent of saying that right now, but I wonder what the heck was going on. That Well, the, the question I mean, maybe is— Maybe there's some way to understand it rightly in context. Okay, well, I'll pull it up. But um, uh, let me read the rest of the email, then you can you can backpedal while I go get the audio. It says, what do you do with Romans 12.1 then? I agree that your overall take on the song, with your overall take on the song, but I think that you were being a little overly critical here. And I like, and I'd hate to see your usual level of meteorocity slip. So I would hate that too. What say you? So far, I mean, have you what? heard of Romans twelve one? Yeah, I've heard of that verse before. <laughs> uh, Offer yourself as a living sacrifice, which is holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable act of service. Um, do not be conformed to the ways of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, etc. Uh, that's a great verse, beautiful text. We're talking about vocation, how we how we basically are, we we are living little deaths for God and the neighbor in this life of vocation, which is what Paul says: offer yourself as a living sacrifice. So, I wonder what I wonder what I just wonder what was happening in the song that made me say that. I, but it could be there's a pretty good chance that I was just flat out wrong, and I shouldn't have said what I said. In which case, I repent gladly would repent of that but i just wonder if there's maybe something else going on with that so well uh let's see if we have time to go to this uh no we don't we gotta take a break so we're gonna uh take a oh. break right there and we'll be right back you're listening to table talk radio
So I've kicked up the Wolf Mueller One YouTube channel, and I was talking to Daniel, my expert YouTube advisor, about it, who said, Dad, your stuff is really bad. I know, Daniel, I know. But look, I have 4,006 uh, for watch time, and to monetize on YouTube, you got to have 4,000 hours. And I, I look, I said, look, 4,006. And Daniel says, Dad, you have 4,006 minutes, not hours. <laughs> anyway, if you want to see what we're up to over on YouTube, you can visit YouTube, search for Wolf Mueller. Wolf Mueller 1 is the channel name. See you there. All right, we're back, and you're listening to Table Talk Radio. We went back to episode 435, mystically texting wives while crunching praise songs. Man, that was funny. We, we got to do that. I really wish that you would have lost that toy cost. Oh, we'll do it again sometime. I, I, I intentionally didn't mention uh, that show to, to Mandy, and I know we're safe because I know for a fact she does not listen to the show, um, mostly because she's just sane enough to know. I mean, I mean. So, uh, so I, I'm pretty sure we can do it again, and it'll still be, which, which would be funny because she works from home, and I record the show from home, so uh, she could just march up the, the stairs and knock on the door, you know. But we'll see what happens. Yeah, what the heck are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so let's. I, I backed it up a minute so we can listen to about a minute of context before you actually uh, enter into false teaching. So here, here's what you said: content. Anything in the content of this song that is mystical. <laughs> well, let's see. <laughs> Boy, this is one of my glasses. Why don't, you, why don't you just throw a dart at the lyrics and see if you can catch something that's mystical I'm a lover content. of your presence. What the heck? <laughs> a passion stirring deep inside. You're all that really satisfies. Good heavens. I mean, this is like a mockery. <sighs> so, uh, you, the thing this reminds me of the song that um, Nadab and Abihu were singing when they came to offer their sacrifice. Remember that? Mm, they no. walked up there. Right after their dad was ordained, they walked up to the temple to make a sacrifice, and they made the sacrifice of their heart, and then fire came from the oh. temple and destroyed a <laughs> black. Let this be a sacrifice. Let me dedicate my life to worship you. So I'm offering myself as a sacrifice. Always a bad idea. And all, the presence of God. You see, you see what they mean by the presence of God. Let's just so let's do that thing. Remember when we try to actually talk about what they. All right, these is that enough context be? for you? Yeah, I think so. So what what should have probably been what would have been better is saying um, offering uh, offering a sacrifice of my own. Um, invention or offering a sacrifice uh, what uh, of of my own desiring is always a bad idea I mean we had Nadab and Abihu we have Cain and Abel you remember how Cain offered a sacrifice of his own devising um, and the idea that we come to the Lord and invent our own sacrifice to give him that this is a bad idea in fact the sacrifice that avails before the father's throne is the sacrifice of Jesus himself now, Jesus takes us up, and in fact, what? He gives us uh, the gift of being uh, a sacrifice for the sake of our neighbor, and, that is, uh, and that's good. I mean, uh, so that, uh, how would we say it? So, so that when Jesus now takes us up and, and, and gives us over to our neighbor, and that's the sacrifice that ha is happening in, in, 
in Romans 12, that, that is a good sort of thing. What the thing we want to avoid is, you know, here's the sacrifice of my, whatever, the sacrifice of my praise, the sacrifice of my... Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, because th- this verse whatever. is oftentimes used to go against the Lutheran understanding of divine service, so that Lutherans will say, look, what's going on in worship is not that you're giving yourself to God, but what that is going on in worship is that uh, God is giving himself to you through word and sacrament for the forgiveness of sins. And uh, sometimes people come along and say, well, that's not what Romans 12.1 says. Romans 12.1 says that what this is the... Uh, spiritual act of worship is that you would um, offer yourself as a living sacrifice. So how do we know that this text isn't talking about a uh, divine service understanding? Well, Paul's going to go on to talk about that in in Romans 12, where he says, don't ascend to God or descend, but he's near to you in the word that's preached and so forth. Uh, And that's the worship thing. But it seems like in Romans 12, it's especially uh, now talking about vocation. Uh, He says, in fact, explicitly, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Uh, don't be conformed to the world, by the, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given to me, not everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For we have many members, one body, Members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts differing according to the grace that's given to us, so that the Lord has shaped us up all differently in order to be able to, well, to bless the Lord's name, but to be able to serve one another. But anyway, I want to go back. I mean, I want to just say you're, the the the, re, the emailer is right. I, you, you can't just say offering yourself as a sacrifice is wrong, because the Scripture says that you should offer yourself as a living sacrifice. Uh, we do want to be uh, warned that offering sacrifices of our own desire or our own heart or our own inventing is a dangerous thing to be avoided. And to recognize that the sacrifice that avails before God in heaven is the sacrifice of Christ. And the sacrifice that we give is the sacrifice of love to one another, the sacrifice of thanksgiving to God. Ah, good. Does that, does that sound good? Yep, and I and I do think that the the context does kind of show us that what what the what Paul means in that understanding of worship. So that I mean, so so prior, I mean, th- this verse starts out. Therefore, I urge you, brethren. And what's going on in Romans uh, ten? You mentioned, and then uh, in Romans eleven about whether or not uh, Israel has been cast off. Um, and then you have the therefore, you know, in light of this mercy that God has had on uh, the Gentiles, those who have been grafted in. Uh, in light of that, what are we to do? We are to, you know, love our neighbor. And then chapter 13 goes into the way that we stand in the public square, uh, that we submit to the government. So I do think that the context uh, from Romans would teach us that this is not talking about uh, our uh, worship as it takes place in the divine service where we are coming before the Lord to receive his gifts. Okay, so we're going to play a little bit of hashtag theology. And the way this works is Aha. Um, okay. Pastor Wolfmiller logs on to social media as himself rather than as Lumpy or Mission Vision. And I think of a word that you look up under the hashtag thing, and then we read a few quotes. So um, right, search Twitter. How about you search for the word passion? Hashtag passion? Are you sure? How about hashtag Passion Tide? 
That's a better idea. <laughs> well, I don't. I don't know that anyone actually. Well, maybe they did. Uh, all right. Dude, There's a tide. lot of. Pa- I actually put hashtag passion, and it came up. Passion tide. It it auto correct. <laughs> Look at this. A prayer for hashtag passion tide to imitate the Blessed Virgin Mary as during the Passion of Christ. Hashtag Lent. Are you ready for this? This is a good one. Yep. This is from Eucharistic Jesus at the Bread of Life. Wow. Eucharistic. What the? Boy, oh, boy. I wonder if this is Catholic. Okay. It says, um, O God, who in this season give your church the grace to imitate devoutly the Blessed Virgin Mary in contemplating the Passion of Christ, grant, we pray, through her intercession, that we may clean, cling more fervently each day to your only begotten Son and come at last to the fullness of his grace. Now, I, I don't know a whole lot about Mariology, but, uh, I mean, so here clearly we have a prayer that invokes the intercession of Mary, um, which uh, I, I suppose we've talked about on this program before that, you know, we don't have any promise in Scripture or certainty to to know that Mary even hears our prayers, much less intercedes for them. Uh, but we do have that promise of Jesus, so, you know, stick to what you know. <laughs> but um, I I don't know enough about this to, to know um, why the imitation of Mary is especially invoked for Lent or Passion Tide. Do you? Well, we do have Luke especially is going to tell us, right, that Mary treasured these things in her heart. That's especially at the Incarnation. So I don't know if there's something special at the cross. We know Mary was there. Jesus says, uh, woman, behold your son, son, behold your mother, giving Mary into the charge of mm-hmm. of uh, the Apostle uh, John. Um, we know that Mary was there to finish the burial work of Jesus. We know that this was all predicted by Simeon, a soul will pure an uh, a sword will pierce your own heart, so that Mary felt very keenly the suffering of Jesus. But um, I, su- I suppose it would be fine to imitate Mary in 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 contemplating Christ. But the pro- but the problem from the Catholic point of view, I would say, is that Mary in some ways doesn't need the death of Jesus. She was immaculately conceived and had no sin. Um, so you have a totally different understanding of salvation and the way that we that we meditate fruitfully on the passion of Jesus is by hearing law and gospel and by repenting oh interesting. by recognizing the law as the fiercest preaching of the the cross as the first the fiercest preaching of the law and then secondly the sweetest preaching of God's kindness so uh, the point and that so you're I think making we would actually meditate on it differently than Mary yeah okay that's interesting I, I have never thought of that before so so that if you if you believe like what the Catholics say that that um, you know Mary is sinless, then uh, she would have a different active uh, a different view or a different look to Jesus as say Saint Paul who s- says to imitate me and who also says I am the chief of sinners, uh, so that Paul uh, had standing before God only because of the sacrifice that Christ has made and Paul had faith in Christ's promises. So to imitate Paul uh, would be to imitate trusting those promises. But if you're a Roman Catholic, um, to imitate Mary would be to imitate uh, sinlessness, I suppose. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. uh, Mary is for the Catholic in Catholic piety, the perfect 
I mean, the, the perfect, pious Christian. So she, she does all these things perfectly, including the, medita- the, the meditating on the, on the death of Jesus. But that's the problem. The death of Jesus comes to us not to be meditated on in perfection, but rather to forgive our sins and, all of, and cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. Interesting. Well, we'll be right back. Play more Hashtag Theology after this. For those times when you just want to be alone, this is Table Talk Radio. Hey, daily devotions for your family. Around the Word is found at whatdoesthismean.org. All right, we're playing Hashtag Theology here on Table Talk Radio, and I heard a tweet with the hashtag Passion Tide. 500 points for me, by the way, using the buzzword. Fantastic. It's pretty good that I gave you that buzzword. Thank you. All right, I got another one. This is an oldie. Uh, I'm curious if this is still floating around the Twitterverse or if it's uh if it's died. But remember the remember the bracelets everybody had it was WWJD what would Jesus do? Uh I'm I'm wanting to know uh when was the last tweet that said hashtag WWJD? Was that like nineteen ninety eight or are there still current <laughs> tweets about what would Jesus do? Uh there is look at this. <laughs> Here's one from at Mersmom eight it says not Christian at all, hashtag WWJD, and it has a cartoon, and it's Trump in robes, and he's like heads on fire, and it says don't feed the poor, don't shelter the homeless, double the military, oh. Mary Magdalene's a ten. <laughs> That's the worst. Mary Magdalene's a ten, <laughs> and then it has like all the Christian right all around giving uh, Trump hugs, and it says the Savior we've been waiting for. Oh, this is great. Okay, what a great piece to talk about. All right, so uh, what angle do we want to take? I'll let you take the Mary Magdalene a 10, but um, why don't you launch off on that first, and then I'll, I'll address the perspective of Trump here. Wait, so say that. So sorry, I got distracted by this, the well, comments on this thing. Well, so, I, I think there's a lot of, a lot of um, perspectives on this one, so I thought if you wanted to talk about where it says Mary Magdalene a 10, then I would talk about uh, the perspective of Trump from this cartoon. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, I mean, our President Trump is um, a, uh, at least as far as I could tell, he has a history of being a degenerate when it comes to the Sixth Commandment. Um, Now, I do not know the state of things now. It seems like, I suppose, it seems to me like perhaps things have settled down, but the history uh, that he has of of divorce and of uh, treatment of women is, um, is... is uh, there's no excuse for it. I mean, it's just absolutely horrible. And uh, does it disqualify him from being fit for public office? I mean, it, it should. Uh, I don't think there's any question about that. Apparently, it, it hasn't. Shows it kind of the degenerate, degenerated state of our own politics. But is that what this cartoon is getting at, though? Because I, I, I think that it, that part is so. Mary Magdalene's a, Mary Magdalene's a ten. That putting that in Trump's mouth is it saying. Uh, he, uh, you know, t- Trump is simply uh, worldly when it comes oh. to women. But the interesting thing. Well, wait, wait, before you, it, b- before you go on, I think I think 
Let me, I, I haven't seen the cartoon, so I don't – just based upon what you described of it. Uh, what I pictured this was getting at was that um, Trump has, like, governmental policies that would not feed the poor or whatever. So that you have, in contrast, you know, Mary Magdalene who cares about people and loves people and serves people versus Trump who, um, you know, says uh, we're, we're going to cut welfare or we're going to, you know – not help immigrants or whatever it is. Um, is that am I, did I misunderstand the, the the cartoon? Yeah. So that the, so the cartoon. I'll share it with you here. The tr- the cartoon has Trump saying Mary Magdalene's a ten. So oh. you know, the thing that he cares about oh. with Mary Magdalene oh. is that she's good looking. Okay. Uh, I see. I missed it. Okay. Yeah. I thought it meant that she was a ten, as in Christian perfection, and then Trump was a zero because he doesn't care for those in need. But now I understand. Nope, nope. Okay. So, so now it's all criticism of Trump, of Trump, and then it's um, uh, so, so it's showing his the kind of hypocrisy of the Christian right that simply embraces Trump. Now, the interesting thing is the WWJD is uh, don't feed the poor, don't shelter the homeless, double the military, as if, and this is this kind of typical. It's oh, it's really. This typical idea from the left that Jesus was all about social justice. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that's the thing that matters is um, is feeding the poor as if that's the as if that's the government's job. Now, I don't know any Christian that's against feeding the poor. But the but the question politically is how should the poor be fed? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know. Anyway, I don't know what. So you're. Th- I sent you the cartoon. You got thoughts on that? On this? Yeah. Thing? Now, now I understand. I, w- I was misunderstanding it. So, um, well, well, I, there's something about this that that says the Christian right is, um, you know, worshiping Trump in a sense. The cartoon says the savior we've been waiting for. So all these people are bowing down at Trump, uh, Trump wearing white white robes. Now, um, I think that what uh, the Christian right wants out of a president um there's probably many things but one of the things or a couple of the things that the christian right want out of a president is a president who will defend religious freedom and a president who will defend life you know that you know maybe a president who says hey it's not okay to to kill people like those in the womb and uh insofar as uh Trump is on those issues uh, the that Trump has has much to be commended for his stance on those issues um, at least particularly in the latter one at the appointment of um, Neil Gorsuch so that I mean I don't know I mean, and from from Colorado right I mean you could probably say a few things about Neil Gorsuch but he he like wrote his what doctoral dissertation on bioethics <laughs> and so this is the guy that that Trump appoints to the Supreme Court and you know there was some rumblings recently that that Trump might get to uh pick another if if uh, Kennedy resigns which was the swing vote on a lot of these issues like uh, uh Obamacare being taxation and then um uh uh, uh Ruth uh, what's what's her name Ginsburg Ruth G- yeah, Bader, Bader, Bader Ginsburg, Ginsburg I mean yep. she's She's getting up there, and so I think Trump could potentially be appointing possibly two justices, um, especially if he gets elected to another term. So insofar as the Christian right it cares about those issues, certainly they're praising Trump. But I don't think that means the Christian right 
has uh, praised Trump for his debauchery, which I think was the main issue during the election, that the Christian right was struggling. Well, what's worse, this alpha male who is uh, disgraceful towards women or a woman who's going to promote the death of unborn children? I mean, this is this is constantly the choice that Christians are having to make, and so they've been choosing the lesser of evils. Yep. Yep, and it's... Uh, right, so, so that there... I mean... Okay, so the left points out the hypocrisy of the Christians uh, supporting Trump, um, but but the, the, that is the, it's tr- what, it's true. But what's it, just so interesting is the like just to go back to the question WWJD is to say well what what does the left think Jesus would say about politics and. I, I I get the sense that they, they that they're convinced that the politics of Jesus is is to be nice. It's I mean the basic that Jesus was a socialist or something like that. It's very strange. It's very very strange that um, when when you just when you start to talk about the politics of Jesus, what what people actually think uh, Jesus would have been. Now I I hope that I mean. It, it's, it's first of all a, a diminishing of the office of Jesus to simply to reduce him to a political uh, figure, but but certainly the biblical text does have political ramifications, and one of them is that God invented first before He invented the state, He invented the family and the church, and the, that's the chief place where humans are found to be flourishing. And this obsession that we have with politics would have particularly troubled Jesus. I mean, would Jesus have wanted to care for the poor? Yeah. Would would it, would Jesus have understood that it's the state that does that? Probably right. not. So so that so that Jesus would want the government to take money from uh some people and then give it to other people. I mean the, the I mean that that <laughs> you know, the scriptures will say that, you know, about giving cheerfully and uh and so how many people cheerfully pay their taxes? <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, I'm so happy I can pay my taxes, uh, so that you know they can be used for all these things I disagree with. Um, so, so that the, the, the Christianity would pr- promote a caring and loving for those in need uh, joyfully, not out of coercion. Because if you don't pay your taxes, you're going to jail. Uh, I mean, it's like this. Um, you, you ever got this question before? Um, are we supposed to give our offerings or tithe? If you use that word, uh, do, do you are we supposed to tithe off of the net or the gross? Or yeah, uh, uh, questions like that, you know. And I I've decided what my my standard answer is that uh, to that is whatever would be more joyful. <laughs> so if you if you have more joy to give off of your net, then give off of your net. But if you give more, if you have more joy in giving off of the gross, then go off the gross. It's not a, that's a nice, it's not about meeting the requirement. And it it goes insane. Like I recently, I saw a thing online where a guy said, if I uh, gave my tithe uh, off of the money that I got and then put from that money into a, a pension or a IRA, and now I'm drawing drawing for the IRA. Do I have to give a tithe off of my disbursements from the IRA if I gave during you know into that IRA? 
And then someone said, well, you haven't been given tithing off of the growth, so you need to pay tithing from... I mean, it's like we've reduced tithing or offering to taxes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like I need to see the tax mm-hmm. bracket of... Oh, my goodness. No, no, it's an absolute disaster. It's a, it's a confusion of the three estates is, is where we've gone wrong on this whole thing. It's an incredible confusion of the three estates. All right, well, I'm having fun. I don't know if you are, so let's play some more hashtag theology after this oh, yeah. break. This is a good way to burn some some segments here on Table Talk Radio. Oh, I think so. Not bad. All right, we'll be right back. Table Talk Radio, where the voice crying in the wilderness is the listener. I save all the good stuff for grappling with the text, a little video Bible study that you can find at worldvieweverlasting.com. If you have comments or questions for us, you can give us a call, 1-800-385-SOLA. 1-800-385-7652 is the phone number for your comments, complaints, and questions. You can also send me an email, questions at tabletalkradio.org. Questions at tabletalkradio.org. Our average response time is about 3.4 years, so we'll get to that as soon as we can. All right, we're playing Hashtag Theology. Unless you criticize... Unless you criticize something I say, and then Evan puts it right to the top. Funny how that works, isn't it? <laughs> if you're calling Pastor Wolfner to repentance, that will go right to the top. I guarantee you. Yeah, baby. Uh, <laughs> um, but if it's well, new results, but look at this. What would WWJD had twelve new tweets just in the last since we've been doing it? You're kidding. That is no. Whoa. So it's still alive, but it's 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 very ironic. So, for example, here's a question. Here's a picture of like RoboCop. And it says, school teacher of the future, hashtag WWJD. Uh, okay. Yeah. All right. I got another one, though. I, I want to see what comes up when you do a search for hashtag love wins. That'll be a good uh, one. Okay. Okay. Let's see. Love wins. Oh, look at this. It's a. Let's see the first one here. Uh, it's a picture collage. Okay, here's a good one. Uh, stop using your God as an attempt to justify your hate towards the LGBT community. <laughs> X. It's just a pathetic... At- this is the second one, by the way. It's just a pathetic attempt to find an excuse to hate and hate toward innocent people can never be justified. I'm sorry. Did oh, you think sorry. I Let said hashtag hate wins? I said hashtag love wins. It's just a pathetic attempt to find an excuse to hate, and hate towards innocent people can never be justified. Rainbow flag, hashtag LGBT, hashtag love is love, hashtag love wins, hashtag pride, hashtag gay, hashtag love. That sounds like a pretty hateful tweet, don't you think? Hey! Hey! (laughs) I mean, he loves to hate, and who are you to judge what he loves? Don't use your sexual orientation as an excuse to hate on people who are trying to uh, confess the scriptures. Hashtag WWJD. Hashtag (laughs) whatever. Table talk radio. Uh, Who are you? This guy loves to hate people who judge what he loves by hating it. And he loves to, he, he hates, he hates loving 
that he hates to love that. Or <laughs> I messed up a one in there, but I think I got that exactly right. Uh, yes. It's an amazing sort of thing. I, now, I okay. So we got There's a lot to talk about here because this is a big deal. This LGBT stuff nowadays. I, I think it's amazing how the T's snuck in there mm-hmm. because the T really has nothing to do with the L, G, and B. In fact, the now, B doesn't have much to do with the L and the G. And now there's like a Q. And to come to think of it, the L and the G are kind of opposed to one another. That's the whole point. Mm-hmm. But they're all kind of piled into this one big thing in order to be the great victims. And it fits into this great old story. This is told for social revolution, and it goes like this. There is the oppressed and the oppressor, and then there's the liberator. And... The liberator can do whatever he can. The liberator can do whatever he wants, whatever sort of violence he wants, in order to free the oppressed from the oppressor. So, the oppressor is held to a, a high standard of morality, but the 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 liberator does not have the same standard. So you point out that it's not okay to hate someone's choice of marriage or whatever. But it is okay to hate those who hate that. Now, why is hate okay in one case and not in the other case? And the answer is because it is uh, it is wrong, for example, for the slave owner to be violent to the slaves, but it is right for the liberator of the slave to be violent to the slave owner. Do you see? Is the violence mm. in service to liberation? So, so the answer is, is yes. I mean, that's the the way that the narrative and the story goes. So we hit sit sit there and say, hey, you can't, you can't hate someone for hating, and they say, oh yeah, I can, because my hate is setting people who are oppressed by your hate free from your hate. But doesn't that See make that me? Goes? Doesn't that make me oppressed by your hate now? And well, eventually, doesn't but that you, justify my hate? Yet. Oh. But I think so. I think so. I mean, I think there's at some point. So if the if the if there were if there was a time when being a homosexual was was outcast, which I think there probably was, a couple of years ago. I mean, because this whole sexual revolution changed the world on its head in like 20 seconds. I mean, it used to be that there were guys and girls, and <laughs> that, in fact, that's kind of the basis of the LGBT. Is I don't like the girls, I like the guys. Mm-hmm. That makes me a G. But now the T's have come along and say, hey. That whole de- idea about guys, that's wrong. It's oppressive. What the heck? I mean, so you can't even be gay anymore because there's no such thing as a man. I just like that other human who happens to be man-shaped. Yeah, the whole thing's a disaster, right. by the way. But I, I think there's going to be a t- I mean, I was thinking about this the other day, thinking about calling up some some old kind of classic gay guy and say, hey, remember... Like 20 years ago, how you were being oppressed and you were an outsider and you were be- being persecuted and all this sort of stuff. Well, I need you to tell me how that is because now I'm a, I'm a Christian and that's how it is for me now. <laughs> so what do I do? <laughs> so what should I do? Yeah. Uh, but I'm pretty sure that, that uh, we don't want to follow the same playbook. But the, but the answer is, yeah, it goes. it has to go in that sort of cycle. So the answer would be uh, hate on, right? I mean, you, I mean th- that's the playbook. I mean... Uh, now we... The, the, the problem there. Okay, there's two problems here. Number one, the whole idea of who are you to judge what I love. The, there's an answer to that, and the answer is I'm a rational human being. I mean, judging <laughs> if you love the right or the wrong thing is simply the base. Is it's what we call ethics. 
or what we call being a human being. So if I love to, whatever, go outside and lick people's tires, you say, hey, buddy, uh, you love the wrong thing. Who are you to... Who are you to judge? I love licking these tires. This tire right here on this bicycle? Hmm. Well, don't but, judge me. Love wins. Hashtag but, love wins. But but the uh, thought is is that I can only say that what someone is doing is wrong. Uh, in other words, um, live, let live, unless that thing that someone is doing is harming someone. So you can go lick the guy's tire, but if you want to, you know, deflate the tire and cut off a piece of it and take it with you now you're causing harm to someone's vehicle you know so so that the standard is harming someone else but if someone just wants to love and it might not be my cup of tea but it's theirs who are you to who are you to step in and say they're wrong but the and this is the other problem it's, it's and, and exactly what you point out here it's not actually love that's being that's be, that's the problem can one man love another man Yes. In fact, that's what the Bible requires. Mm. And in fact, mm. I mean, there's uh, any number of, uh, I mean, I have, I love my sons. I love my father. My father loves me. I love my friends. This is, there's love all. And if I didn't love them, that would be a sin. Uh, but this whole idea of love wins is trying to steal from the Christians, the word that belongs to us. I mean, it's only the God that we worship who says that he is love. And summarizes the law with one word, love, and says that love does no wrong to the neighbor and sends us out to love. I mean, this is the basis of Christianity, is love. But that love is not this disorderly sort of thing. In fact, that's not what's being talked about. If some, if two guys came to me and said, hey, we love each other, I'd say, oh, God be praised. That's uh, keeping the commandments. Hmm. And they say, you don't understand. We love each other. I'd be like, well, that's great. God, you know, great friends, you know, John. G- David says of Jonathan, the, his love means more to him than the love of a woman. This, they, they were such close companions in their life together. That's great. And they say, no, 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 you don't understand. When we say love, what we mean is something totally different. Hmm. It's something that I can't say on the radio. I mean, something that I don't even want to describe. And I'd say, well, oh, that's not love. Uh, that's not even. And so maybe the kids should tune out here. That's not even sex. Uh, it's something totally different. It's just uh, it's just the ecstasy of that, that is a result of intimacy. You want to have that with that guy. Well, that's not love. That's something totally different. You don't even need right. another person hanging around. So, so when someone says, uh, "Hey, love wins," that resonates with people because it's like, "Oh yeah, we should be loving." You know, that, that that's part of uh, natural law. That's the law written on the hearts. I mean. You see a you see a bully at school and automatically you know that's wrong and you go up and say look you got to be you got to be nice to the guy you know you you shouldn't be such a, a you know a mean person love the love the person and that resonates with everybody but it doesn't quite resonate with everybody to say what you just said that uh, one man says of another man I want to have sex with that person that is that res- does not resonate with everybody and it does uh uh it it, it crosses a line from what is intuitive to what is perverse. Yes. Yes. And we should be able to make that distinction. Uh, uh, the, the free, we, we now talk about the freedom to love, the freedom to marry. Even we sometimes talk about sexual freedom, but what we're really talking about is, uh, man, I, this is tough because the language is just it, the language you have to use to describe this is a little bit obscene. 
We have just but a few just, minutes it's, or a few seconds. Yeah, it's just talking about I want to, um, let me just say it euphemistically, I want to get off with that thing over there. Mm. And that's what you can't judge. Mm. And that's not love winning. That's the that's lust and the flesh winning. When love wins, we see God on the cross forgiving our sins for and welcoming to the kingdom. And that's what... Hashtag love means wins really means. All right, well, that's it. Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Where the points are like hashtag Table Talk Radio top 10. Alicosis, lung cancer, brain tumors, sleep gain, internal bleeding, internal combustion. A sudden have not as your backseat, claustrophobia, an uncontrollable urge to find the cabinets on Twitter and falling off your treadmill. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org.